Thank you. We have power. Awesome. Well, it's good to be here. Always good to be. And yeah, church run by power. This is wobbly. Yeah, that's a. Yeah, we need to get it fixed so it's moving. But anyway, it's great to be here. I'm um, excited to share the word today. It's, it's it's just me, my perfectionist coming out in me. It's all right. Nah. Great to be here. Um, I really uh, just want to share a word that the Lord gave me that's really bringing a lot of change. Um, I sh- for the first time, I shared an impact a couple of months ago, but there'll only be two or three of you that crossed over from impact to forever. But... If you were, then it'll be good for you to hear it again because as you preach something, it gains more momentum. But it's a real now word, which I feel the Lord, I um, shared it in Korea just two weeks ago, and it really brought a lot of freedom and set people free. And so um, the word I want to share about today is comparison. And I really feel like it's something that the Lord's wanting to break off the church, to break off individuals, is um, comparison. You know what? Um, um, Teddy Roosevelt, he had a, uh, a saying which he said, comparison is the thief of joy. And as I read that, I thought more and more, comparison will steal your joy. Come on. Whenever you compare continually, you'll lose your joy. You'll never be happy because you're always comparing what someone else has got, what someone else is doing, where someone else is at. What? And you know what I feel like? You know, it's like this. You wake up, you're happy. You, get, you jump out of bed, you're happy, you have a great day, you, you had some goals and maybe if you're a mum at home, your goals were you're going to clean your house and get it all done and you had a great day, the kids were good, you got dinner on the table, it was great. Or at work, you know, you might have had a desk full of stuff, you decide I'm going to get this done. So you have an awesome day and you felt good, you know, you might have helped someone, done something, you felt really good and then until... <laughs> You sit down that night and jump on your Facebook. Come on, jump on your Facebook and then you see somebody's off the other side of the world. Someone's on a romantic date. Come on, someone's got a new hairdo. Someone's got a new job. And then all of a sudden it's like you feel like your day was nothing. Come on, until you saw it. See, social media, I love it. Social media is the time of today. You know, you can resist it, but it's just how it is. It's an awesome communication tool. It's an awesome way to connect for us as traveling the world. You know, for people we see across the world, Korea or everywhere we go, we can still be involved in their life. When someone's pregnant, when they have a baby, someone gets married, even when we're away, we can still be connected to Forever House. We can see what's happening, who's maybe together, who's getting married, who's, you know, and so it's exciting. So we don't feel so disconnected. That side of it is good. But the thing about social media is what you have to understand is the golden rule is what we say to people is you, what shouldn't you put on social media? Your bad stuff. Come on. That's the golden rule. If you play by the golden, come on. We, we say, don't put that on Facebook. Come on, don't put that on there, the cringe hat. So the percentage of what you see on Facebook might be 2% of someone's week. You see 2%. They're out on a romantic date or their husband just cleaned the house. And so you put that big highlight on Facebook. <laughs> That's a miracle, that, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's a miracle, mum. But you see, 98% of the week, he might have been the worst husband. 
And he's just being good now and doing 2%. (laughs) And so you see it on social media, come on. Or you see someone out on a date, that might have been the only date they've been on in five years. But it's cause for celebration, and that's what Facebook is about. We put all our good stuff on there. Or here's you, you struggled along, you got a bit of weight to lose, and you're feeling great, you lost one pound, okay? No, let's go a bit higher than one pound. You lost one kilo, okay? You felt good, you're like, okay, at least I'm going down. And then someone posts a picture, they've lost 15 kilos in their bikini. No, there shouldn't be a bikini. So in their nice new outfit, okay? They've just lost 15 kilos. So now you feel absolutely deflated about your one kilo. Come on, you don't feel good about it. Now, social media is good. You know, you start, but you start comparing. You felt great, as I said, you had an awesome day. You achieved your goals, but then you start comparing. Well, I've never traveled the world. My husband never takes me out on a day. My husband's not romantic. Come on, or my kids aren't this, or my kids aren't that. You know, you start doing it. We all post our good stuff. But you have to understand, nobody's life is free from suffering, pain, and loss. Come on, nobody's life is free from that, from suffering, pain, and loss, disappointment, struggles, setbacks. We all have them, but we don't put them on social media. Well, you shouldn't, okay, because that's what it's about. We don't put them on there. So while you're reading about that someone's doing, come on, everybody has struggles, Everybody has things. You know, God's perfect and he has a perfect plan for you. See, this is what we have to realise, that God has an an individual God. He gave you all a unique DNA. That's how individual he is. He gave you a DNA that is yours. And he is so individual and he has an individual plan for your life. So you can't compare what someone else is doing to what you're doing. Come on, you cannot because we've all got a different road to walk. We've all got different things to do. We can learn, we can glean. And you know, as I began to read about this and study on comparison, do you know where it actually started? Right back in the Garden of Eden. Come on, the tree of life. God gave them the tree of life and that was their tree and that was their destiny. Come on, that was Adam and Eve's destiny and purpose. And it wasn't until what? Satan come and said to them, if you eat of this tree, come on, if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. Comparison. Come on, that God gave them a perfect destiny, a perfect thing for them. And God said, you can have anything, do anything. This is your tree. And see, I liken that. God's given you a destiny. He's given you a purpose. He's given you something that only you can fulfill. Okay, but the devil wants to continually come and comparison. He wants to compare you with someone else. Well, look what they've got. Or look what she's got. Or look how good she is. Look how good he is. Look how much money come on it started you know as I thought I thought it was even amazing for me to understand that's where it started right back in the beginning the devil is the one that brings comparison come on he will try and compare you can pitch you against other people and it's the comparison that caused her to stumble and lose everything come on what did she gain then hard work 
See, when you eat of someone else's tree of life, come on, when you start trying to compare and eat of someone else's destiny and purpose, it becomes hard work. It becomes painful because it's not your destiny. It's not your tree. Eve had a a good life. She had an awesome life. That was her tree of life. That was her purpose. God said, you cannot have of this. But as soon as the devil come and said, you will be like God. But understanding when you read back in Genesis, when you go back, it says God made Adam and Eve in his image and in his likeness. She was already like God. She didn't need to fall for that. But as soon as she fell for the trap of comparison, comparing what happened, a life of hard work and pain. Come on, he had to work hard and she got pain. That's what happens when you start trying to eat of someone else's destiny and of someone else's purpose. It will be hard work. You'll be continually looking over your shoulder. What are they doing? How are they going? How big's their business? How big's their church? Come on, this happens in ministry so much. Comparison, what someone else is doing in ministry, what someone else's church is doing. No, we need to worry about what our church is. And see, sometimes it's the people that bring in comparison. Come on, the pastor has a vision, a purpose, and a destiny. And you know what I love? It's what's awesome about pastors, Brad and Sarah and team, is they are dedicated to the vision and the purpose that God's given them. And I love that, that they will not waver from that. See, what you have to understand is you come in with your comparison. Well, the church does this, or we should be more evangelistic, or we should be more street church, or more this, or or do that, or do that. But you've got to understand, you have an opinion, but so does every other member. And if we start doing what every other member tells us to do, we just become a jumbled mess. Come on, confused, not sure. If you feel that, then you do it. That's what I say to people, if you've got a bent towards something, then you, you would say, God, well, how can I do that? Because if you start doing that, then you can add and bring people in and you've got a place that you feel secure about planning them in. But we can't come and keep bringing what we want and I want to do this and I want to do that and we should be more this way and we should be more. No, God has given them a unique calling. God's given us as a leadership a DNA for Forever House. We have a tree of life that we're supposed to be. Come on. That's who we're supposed to be. And if we start comparing, well, this church are doing that and they're doing that. Come on. It becomes hard work because we're not in the flow of God. We're not doing what the Lord wants us to do. And it just becomes boring and difficult. Amen. That's what happened with Eve. Come on. Pain. And I feel the other thing with comparison, it causes you to fall into busyness. Because what happens when you're continually comparing? You've got to catch up. Come on, you've got to work twice as hard. People go, looking over your shoulder, what's he doing? What's she doing? What's that doing? You've got to work twice as hard because what you're doing is you're, you're thinking, well, they're doing that. We need to add here. We need to do more. We can do. Come on, there's 50 things we could add or do to this church, but it would just create a whole heap of busyness. And what would happen is it'll make you guys all busier because you are the church. Then we have a vision. And I love that they're stayed on where we're going and what we're doing because that's what we need, strong in our purpose. Come on, strong in our vision, strong in where we're going and what we're doing. You know what, I even thought that continually, that continual looking over your shoulder, the busyness. What's a busybody? Come on, someone who goes around minding everybody else's business. 
And you know, when you've met those type of people, busybodies, they're usually very unproductive people. Unproductive, that's the word, unproductive people. Come on, you look at their life and all they're ever doing is worrying about what everybody else is doing, complaining about, well, they should be doing this and should be doing that. And when you actually look at their life, they do nothing. They're busybodies. The Bible talks very clearly about that. Someone who goes around minding everybody else's business. No, you just look after your business. Come on. I don't know. When, for me personally, I ain't got time to worry about anyone else's business. I'm too busy. If you've got time to worry about other people's business, then you're not doing enough for God because he will keep you so busy. You know, stuff comes across and thing, and it's like, I don't have time unless it's something God really wants us to deal with. Or God, I don't have time for it. Come on. But also I see the value. I know where it comes from. I know comparison and, and busybodiness comes from the enemy and I'm not going to give him that place in my life and I'm not going to go down that track. Come on. I'm going to stick to my tree of life, which is your destiny, your purpose, and your calling. I'm going to do that so that at the end of the day, I can run my race and say, I've run it well. You know, for us, as we all know, Byron's mom passed away a few weeks ago, a very, very dear friend of ours who we've been in relationship with a lot of years. But you know what? The thing I can think of is she did everything. She most probably did what everybody does up until 80. She was busy. She was doing God's purpose, God's destiny. She ran her race. And you know, when you start to get purpose, see a lot of people, it's lack of vision, lack of purpose, and that comparison. You keep, instead of staying focused on what you're doing, if God's called you to be a mom, then be the best mom, because that is the most awesome time for your children, is to concentrate. Whatever, if you're studying, then be the best studier. Come on, aim to do well at everything that you're doing. Whatever God called you to do. Don't compare. Someone else might be studying, but doing three jobs and doing this and socializing. If you're not called to do that, then don't do it. Do what God has called you to do and don't compare yourself. Come on, we have to be the best us. Run your race. Come on, stay in your lane. Stay focused to where you're going. God caused us all to run a race. He put a destiny before you. And we all know that when you run a race, if you all keep looking behind at your competitor, looking the side of you, look around you, it slows you down, but also puts you in danger of falling over and being out of the race. Come on, finish your course. See, it's personal. Um, Paul says in 2 Timothy verse 4, he says this, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Come on. I never really saw that until I actually was doing this message on comparison. I have finished my course. My course. I haven't finished someone else's course. Come on. I have finished my course. I've run my race. God's a personal God. I have done what I'm supposed to do. Come on. Paul says, I've finished my race. Come on. My course. And what does he say? And staying my course, I've kept the faith. Obviously, that's important because he's at the end of his life. And this is, he doesn't say, well, yeah, you know, I got a hundred people saved and I built an incredible business and I'm a multimillionaire and I, I won a battle over here and me, me, I, I, come on. He's not, and I did this and I slaughtered that and oh, oh, I'm so good. Yes, he was awesome. 
But this is what he said. I have fought the good fight. It's a good fight. Come on, the battles you're facing right now, the fights that you're in, it's a good fight because it's your fight. And it's your fight to defeat your enemies, to enter into your purpose and to your destiny. And I've finished my course. You know, that's so true about Christine. She fought the good fight. You know, and as we ministered to a lot of her top, most of her top level people, I think pretty much reading Christmas, all her top level, a lot of them were not saved, but finished saved. Come on. She got them saved. Boy, you know, I know from just a year's ministering with her, a lot of them, we went in, we ministered unsaved people. Now those people are saved. Well, come on, she ran her course. She fought the good fight and kept the faith. You know, the greatest comparison is in this parable, uh, not parable, the story in Matthew 20, verse 1. This is the worker in the vineyard. You know, he goes out in the morning. Now, obviously, there's not a lot of work. The guys are all laying around. They're hoping for work, wanting work. He goes out, he grabs some guys, and he brings them into work. He agrees on a price with them, and they're so excited about that. Wow, I've got work today. Come on, this is a bit like what I said. You wake up, it's a good day. Wow, I've got a job today. I'm going to make some money. He's excited. But then the worker goes out at the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, and the eleventh hour. And he gathers people. But then it comes to the end of the day of verse 9. It says this. And when those come who were hired at the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed they would receive more. And they likewise received each. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour and you made them equal to us. We have borne the burden of the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. See, there it is, personal. Take what is yours. Come on, take what is yours. Whatever I wish to give the last man, the same as you. Come on, comparison. These guys all agree to a set amount of money. Come on, this is what we're going to work. And they were pumped and excited. But it's interesting, the landowner paid the last one on first. Come on, he paid the last one on first and made sure that they knew. They all knew what he got. They were happy. And see, that's what I'm talking about. We're happy with what we've got until we see what someone else gets. Come on. And then we lose our joy. See, these guys were happy. They agreed. Yeah, I'm working. I got money. They're excited. But then when they see what someone else has got, now they're unhappy. You know, it's like I've shared many times. It's like you believe in God all week. You know, the biggest thing for your week might be you need healing from your cold or you might need your electricity bill paid or you might just need that baby to sleep through, okay? It's something that you've been, and it happens and you're pumped and you're feeling good. And then on church on Sunday, um, so-and-so stands up and says, wow, I had the most incredible week. I got the best miracle. God just gave me 10 grand this week. Now all of a sudden you're like, 
God, I need 10 grand. I come to church more than them. I do more than them. They never serve. They never give. Come on. They never, all this comparison. Yet you were pumped when you come in until you heard. But the other thing is, it's like it's God's last $10,000. That's it. It's gone. God just ran out of money with sister so-and-so. Come on. That's it. It's over. See, what we need to do is be excited when somebody else gets blessed because, you see, it means that God is handing out blessing. And so when you see somebody else blessed, you don't compare and, oh, I'm jealous. And you say, God, if you did it for them, you can do it for me. God, if you bless. And then you, you get around and ask them, how did you do it? What did, without being jealous, come on, without having that comparison. These guys were happy with what they had until they heard what someone else had. Come on, it's incredible. I look at today, even back to when we got married 35 years ago, nobody had anything when you got married. That's just how it was. You weren't set, you didn't have, we all, very few of us ever owned a house that early in marriage. We got married young, we were in a big church. Most of us, we had grandma's bed, grandma's, didn't even have Mama and Papa's bed, because they were still using it. They needed it. But we've got Grandma's bed, Grandma's dressing table. She had a beautiful old one, but it had a crack in the mirror. So I had to get creative and put little roses, beautiful antique roses, you remember that? Roses across the mirror to cover the crack. We had one side of our lounge was propped up with bricks, but you know, we, we covered that. And, you know, come on, we, no one had anything. And we, it's just you were happy to have things. And we didn't have credit card back then, believe it or not. Wow, I'm showing my age. No credit card. You imagine no credit, but it was a blessing because no credit card debt. Come on, no credit card debt. One of the worst crippling things today is young people with credit card debt, young couples in so much debt. Come on, it's crippling. If you need something, save for it. Come on, or buy what we used to do is they had a 12 month interest free flan, 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 prime, <laughs> and we would buy that and make no interest and we would be disciplined and we'd pay it off. We'd make sure we could afford it and we'd pay it off in a year. But I'll tell you what, every brand new thing we got, we appreciated. We were so thankful for it. The only good thing we had in the house was a good fridge. We, 35 years ago, we had a defrost-free fridge, which was never heard of back then, believe it or not. That was because BC, Greg had to have a good fridge to keep his beer cold. So that was... He had nothing else in his house, nothing else, no, a broken lounge, a, a, a bomby old bed. He had, yeah, so I was thankful that, that he had that before me. I was thankful when I got married, I had the latest fridge, but nothing else. So. <laughs> but come on, we, that's just how life was. And I believe we led a less stressful life. And I see, I remember a couple of years back, we did a, a night at our impact meeting about nailing our debt to the cross. And there was a young girl at the meeting, 21, and she had $23,000 in credit card debt. And that was not from a car or assets or anything. That was from life. Come on. Spent, I thought, how sad at 23 to have that kind of debt in your life. Come on. Hmm? 
Yeah, and that's normal. Come on, that was normal. But it shocked me that at that young, it's this comparison. You know, I've just, well, they got new this and they've got new that. And you be happy with what you've got. Come on, be happy with what God's given you. I would much rather have my grandma's bed than 20 grand of debt. Because I want to tell you, if anything happens and you lose your job or anything that you can't afford those payments, I want to tell you, all hell breaks loose on you. I've been there. Come on. Those credit card companies, they're very good at dishing out money, giving you money up. And I'm so thankful that our government now have got onto it and put that little reminder down the bottom to tell you, if you just pay the minimum payment, it will take you 34 years to pay this off and you'll pay, you've, you've got a $6,000 credit card, but you'll pay 30 grand interest. If you just pay the minimum. How, what a robbery. Come on. What a robbery. That thing is to have that. And then if you can't pump, tell you what, they are lethal. So we made a plan years ago that we are going to get rid of credit card debt. Come on. And we have it for travel, but it's only, we're not, I am not going to put things on because it's just not a good way of doing life. Come on. And why? Because we're comparing, well, so-and-so's got this or so-and-so's got that. Come on. Save for, you know what? You appreciate things when you save for them. You appreciate it so much more when you save for something. And it's just a way of how we all did it. Anyway, that's not in my message, but someone needed to hear that. (laughs) Comparison usually results in a winner and a loser. Come on, think about it. Comparison usually results in a winner and loser, which becomes competition. Come on, if we're comparing, there has to be a winner and a loser, and then we end up in competition. Therefore, we we view others as competitors. Come on, as competition, which means the enemy. That's what happens when you start to fall into comparison. You will start to view people as the enemy. They're your competitor. And I've seen this happen so much with people in friendships. Um, girls and guys start off in life at high school, been best friends since seven, eight, went through school, went through high school, went through uni, got married. Wonderful. But then one marries and is very successful successful and has, you know, everything. The other one has just, they've married the love of their life, but they don't have much. You know, to me, I'd rather be happy with the love of my life with very little. Some of our most happiest days and our childhood memories, our kids are going to the beach. We get off at seven in the morning. We had fish and chips. Well, we had chips, not fish. We couldn't afford fish. The kids had hot chips, a loaf of bread, tomato sauce and butter. We'd go to the beach at seven o'clock. Then we'd buy $2 of chips. That was enough to feed five of us. I don't know if you get two chips now, even leftovers. (laughs) We could feed the seagulls, yeah. And a loaf of bread. And, you know, our kids still talk about, and I noticed Cindy does this, had done the same with her kids. They, yeah, they talk about it in a good way. And then McDonald's introduced the 10 cent, 30 cent. And I think it was 20. You mightn't remember when it was 20. 20 cent cone. Come on. The 20 cent cone. So it was awesome. We had an incredible family day with. $2 of chips, a loaf of bread, maybe 80 cents, and 30 cent car. We had the best day as a family on the beach, playing cricket, having a good time. Didn't cost a fortune. 
Come on, you don't need heaps to give. You know, I was trying with my grandkids to do things that, you know, with Zara, she loves playing. We do coloured water. Cost me zilch, a couple of bottles. And she asked me all the time, can we have that? She thinks it's painting, but it's coloured water. And we just get a container of water and, and we put different colours in and I show her how to mix the colours. And, and I just use the old um, Chinese containers and things. She loves it. It's one of her favourites. She plays that for hours. And then she might have a $40 house at home play thing. Oh, a few seconds and she's, come on. I try and be creative with kids, you know, not always just iPads. We sit in the car and we, we tell them, wow, count how many buses you can see. Bring back those things that they don't have to have $100 toys. And, and now I'm not against that. Come on. But I think balance in the world that we live in today. Come on, balance in, in everything. And what I was saying with friendships, it's funny, I was just talking to the girl up the road from us and uh, her and her husband are very wealthy and just, she's not going to be just sharing a little bit about some of what we've been doing and just got onto about comparison. And she said, you know what? I said, I have one of my best friends who can't even bring herself to come to my home because she's so jealous. She said, I just feel every time I walk in your house, she said, because they've not got a lot of money. She's happy she loves them, but they haven't got much money. They're not, you know, it's tough for them. And she said, my friend, as I was telling about convention, my friend can't even bring herself to come to my home. And she said, I've said to her, come enjoy. Let me give you stuff. And, but she can't do it. How sad is that? That a friendship's ruined because of comparison. Because she's got more. and she, It's what ruins it. Ruins it in ministry. Come on, in churches, someone gets promoted. You're good friends. Someone gets promoted to leadership and you don't. Now you're comparing. You're jealous. What have they got that I haven't got? How come they got promoted and I didn't? Come on, we don't need to compare you run your race understanding that God orders your footsteps come on yes they might have got put in leadership and you're not but your course is different come on it's different to theirs don't be jealous don't compare our relationship with God, come on, we're happy until we hear about someone else's. Wow, they just did. You know, you hear these stories about someone who had this amazing encounter or they spent these hours with the Lord and this happened. You know what, that might have been a once-in-a-lifetime thing, but it tells a good story when you're preaching. Come on, it may not be their everyday encounter. That's what I'm saying. All what we hear is often that 2%. You're hearing 2% of someone's life, but you don't know the struggles of what they're going through. Come on, you don't know the price they've paid. A lot of the time, we want what someone else has got, but are you willing to pay the price that they've paid? Come on, are you willing to walk the shoes that they've walked? Are you willing to put in the time that they've put in? Come on, are you? I know anyone. I know even for pastors Brad and Sarah, yes, he's successful at business. They're doing the church and everything, but they, he works hard. He is a hard worker. Both pastors Brad and Sarah are hard workers. They know this is what God's called them to do. And I praise God that they have business, that they don't have to rely on the church to keep them going. Come on. And as Pastor Brad and both of them said, that being a business person makes them a better pastor and being a pastor makes makes them a better business person. Come on, God's called them to do both. But I don't know, would you want to walk their shoes? Come on, Brad does red-eye flights and gets home first thing in the morning, comes straight to church. 
Come on, would you want to do that? Sounds lovely, but come on, when you've got to do it, when you've got to work the hours and the things, that's why we never compare. Walk your walk. Come on, they're called to do that. So there's a grace of God and an anointing of God on their life to do it because it's their race. If you tried to do that or compared to do that, you don't have the anointing to do it. It's like what we do. Come on, there's an anointing of God. In the last four months, we've been home 18 days and I mean... It's just been, I think, the most busiest year of our entire life. But God gives us the grace to walk that out. He gives us the anointing to walk that out and to do that. I believe comparison will often rob you of giving. Come on, not just financially, but giving of your time. Come on, you won't give, uh, you know, a lot of time. I know people, they feel God's hard prompting them to give, but they think, oh, that church has got enough money or they don't need my money or why should I give to that or they're just... uh, No, no, you need to listen to the Lord. If God tells you to give, then you give. It doesn't matter if the church is the most wealthiest church in town. If God tells you to give there, it doesn't matter if it's the most wealthiest person. If God calls you to give to them, you give to them. You know what? I always want to give into good soil because if someone's really successful, I'm sowing into that soil. That means I get a harvest from that soil come on a lot of you know the thing is when you when you look in the bible you you know a lot of people don't want to sow into ground but when you see someone successful that's fertile land come on it's fertile land in the natural would you invest in a company that's gone bankrupt if you would then i'll pray for you now but um, (laughs) But come on, in the natural, we would not sow money if you had some money and you're going to invest it, okay? You just got some spare money, I'm going to invest this money. Would you take your money and invest it in something that was broken down, poverty spirit, come on, and something that, that was, would you do that in the natural? No, come on, when we're going to invest our money in the natural, we're going to find a successful business, successful land, we're going to find a successful place. When you buy a house, so you you got enough money to buy a house, well, let's say, say you got enough money to buy a house in the city, but you decide, oh, I don't want to pick an area, so you decide a bit an area in case someone lives there. You decide, okay, well, I got enough money to live in the city and yeah, I can buy this and rental returns will be real good and I'll get this, but I'm going to choose the middle of Australia and invest my money. Come on, you wouldn't do it because it returns. Why would you do that? You invest in successful. And see, that's what you have to get a hold of in the kingdom. You invest in successful things. You invest your, your money into fertile land. That's why I love giving. Bishop Hammond, Christian International. It's a reproducing uh, ministry. It's a reproducing anointing. Come on, it's a reproducing place. I'm happy to sow my finance. I'm happy to sow my... Now God calls us to help people. Don't get me wrong. Come on. God causes it lots of times. I know Pastor Brad said, we will help people when God puts it upon our heart. But that's just a blessing of what God, it's an investment into a life. But it's not my, I don't really see it as my, my sign feels where God, I want to put into something that I know is fertile, that's pumping, come on, that's going to bring back a good return. And the best thing is where the Lord tells you. 
Also, the other thing, in a social gathering, sometimes you, someone's a good talker, good speaker, knows their Bible well, or someone in your group of friends has always been here, done that. Come on. And you never give your voice or your opinion because you feel like someone else can always speak better, do better, do more. Come on. We hold back socially. Come on. We hold back even with helping. Oh, there's enough helpers at church. Oh, there's enough people to do that. Oh, there's an, no, no, wherever there's a need, jump in, do it, whatever. That's my philosophy. If it needs doing, jump in, do it. I believe the antidote to comparison is this. It's thankfulness. Philippians 4 verse 4 says this, rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Come on, rejoice in the Lord when it's all going good for you. No, no, it says rejoice in the Lord always. Come on, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, obviously, he's got a hold of this and, yeah, well, you know, it's okay for you to say rejoice. You're not going through what I'm going. No, no, but he says, again, I say rejoice. Come on, he repeats it. And again, I say rejoice. Come on, rejoice in the Lord. Be thankful. Have a thankful heart. Be anxious for nothing. Come on, be anxious for nothing, for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication. So whatever you need, prayer, come on, and thanks. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father. Come on, laying your petitions before him. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to your neighbor. No, come on, it says, let your requests be known to God. But also he says, let your requests be known, what? In thanksgiving. Not, we're, come on, Apostle Greg was sharing not long ago. We become beggars sometimes as Christians. We're begging, God, please, come on, we're beggars. We're not called to be beggars. We're not called to go before God. Come on. We're not called to do that. We're called to be thankful in thanksgiving. God, I thank you for my purpose. I thank you for my destiny. Lord, I thank you for my husband. I thank you for my family. I thank you for my job. I thank you for my finances. I thank you for my church. Come on. When you start giving thanks, it has a way of lifting you up. When you start looking, instead of looking at what you don't have and focusing on what you have, I'm thankful for good health. Come on, I'm thankful, you know, watching uh, my friend deteriorate in sickness, seeing not being able to eat, come on, wasting away, losing her voice, come on, it makes you thankful that you can eat, makes you thankful that you can speak, come on, makes you thankful you can get out of bed every day, makes you thankful for the country that we live in, come on, the freedom that we have. Thankfulness is the antidote to comparison. And whatever request, come on, God's not saying you don't have needs, but he says lay them before me. But I believe when we come before the Lord, whinging, moaning, complaining, I just think he walks away. Come on. Oh, here they come again. 
Come on. Here they come again. Oh, here comes that whinger complainer. Oh, Jesus, you sit for a while, you know, and then he comes back a couple of days later. Oh, they're still complaining. Come on. That is not the way to God's heart. Come on. You've got to rule life from a place of victory. Come on. Yes, we might be going through stuff, but we live our life from a place of victory. I'm thankful. I am an overcomer. Come on. I'm thankful. Yes, this is how. You know what? You might be called. This might be all the money you ever have all through your life. You have to be okay with that. Come on. You have to be okay with it. You have to be okay with whatever. You have to think, yes, God calls us to grow and go on further, but we're not all called to be multimillionaires. Come on, God doesn't call everybody to be. You know, yes, there's a principle in the Bible, give up, give and God will meet your needs, but your needs are different to someone else's. Come on, what the needs are and what it is. Let your request be known to God. And then it says this, I love this. It's most probably one of, well, one of my hundred favorite scriptures, but anyway. And the peace of God, come on, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Come on, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Come on, so when we have a thankful heart, when we lay our crest before God, what happens is, and then we're thankful, Lord, this is us. Then what happens is the Holy Spirit comes in. The peace of God comes in. Come on, everything's okay. This is you. He comforts you, and then he surpasses your all your understanding yeah but so and so got this or or she doesn't deserve that or he doesn't or he's got a better husband she's got a better they've got a better job the peace of God it then surpasses your understanding of why how how come and then it says you get that through Christ Jesus come on and you can be happy Mother Teresa was an example of that of how happy but it doesn't say you won't be happy to go sell everything if you're rich and go and live in India if God hasn't called you to do that. She was called to do it. Comparison is always linked to jealousy. Come on, comparison is always linked to jealousy. That's what happened with Satan. Come on, he was jealous. He wanted to be like God. That's what caused him to fall. Comparison. Come on. Even back from Eve, the whole fall of Satan from comparison. He was jealous of God. He wanted to be like God. He was already the most beautiful. He was already what God, okay, but he wanted to be God. Come on. He wanted to take on God. That's what he wanted to do. Jealousy. And you know what? Even many would have heard me say this, that when you're jealous, it equates to feeling lousy, which is interesting. The second half of the word jealousy is spelt lousy. That's what jealousy does. It causes you to feel lousy. Come on, find good qualities in people. Make it a habit to tell people good things about them instead of pulling people down. Come on, start to notice. Make it a habit to say, wow, you look... I I notice sometimes in the church we're the worst at complimenting each other. Jealousy and different things. Come on, if you think someone looks nice, tell them they look nice. If you think, wow, someone's doing a great job, just don't take it for granted. Tell them they're doing a great job. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for this. Come on, find good things about people. We're all different and we're all in different places. You need to set your goals for you and be happy with your success. 
Come on, set your goals for you and be happy with your success. If you plan to lose weight and you lose a kilo this week, then that's awesome. Come on, set your goal. That's your goal. Someone else loses 10, well, good on them. You've lost one, you're nine closer. Be happy, come on, about it, whatever it is. Be happy, achieve your goals, be happy and celebrate. You know, when you get a goal, if that baby sleeps through a night, celebrate. Come on. When Zara did her 12 hour, we celebrate. When she sleeps the whole night through and doesn't wake up, we high five her. We celebrate. Good job, Zara. You didn't wake up last night. Come on. We celebrate. Celebrate the good things. If someone sleeps all night, well, Miss Holly, you slept all night. That's all. <laughs> Come on. Let's celebrate each other. Come on. And your goals, you know, whatever it is. If you were not as depressed this week as I, then celebrate. Come on. You can have a big celebration. Yay, I made it through this week. I'm better than I was last week. Come on. Remember, because what happens is you've made, you've made progress. You need to celebrate that progress. Don't get on social media and then feel like, oh my gosh, that was hopeless. I'm just hopeless. I'm never going to do good. I'm never going to travel the world. I'm never going to have a happy marriage. Well, no, you never will because you create your own world. Come on. You create your own world, whatever you speak, whatever you say. Come on. Don't compare yourself. Your breakthrough is yours and theirs is theirs. Come on. We can admire other people and we should. We should admire other people. We can learn from them. How did they achieve it? How did they get there? What did they do? You know, it's awesome that Pastor Brad and Sarah are doing on success. They are successful. So it's good. We need to grab a hold of that, of how they've been successful. Come on. It's free. Uh, people, well, his clients pay a fortune. You get it free every Sunday. Come on, if you were one of Brad's clients, you'd be paying him, oh, I don't know the figure, but you'd be paying him masses amount of money to have him encourage you to build into your life. You'd be paying him massive amount, and he'd only be with you six months, and then that's it. If you want it again, you have to pay again. You get it free every week, just about. Come on. <laughs> every week. Start charging, hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> so come on, that success thing, he's not just a good idea. He knows what they know what they're doing. They are successful. They've got keys. Don't be jealous of them. Learn from it. Come on. Admire others. Don't allow, as I said, comparison to um, get rid of your breakthroughs. Destroy your friendships, sorry. I've got to quickly, a couple of more points, but they're important. You know what, uh, what I saw with the friendships was Saul and David. In 1 Samuel 16, 21 says this. So David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly. Isn't that interesting? That Saul loved David greatly. So much so, he made him his armour bearer. But we know as we go on further that he was the one who tried to murder him so many times. Why? I'm glad you asked. First Samuel verse 18 says this. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. 
Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed David to ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward, and it happened on the next day that a distressing spirit, listen to this, from God came upon Saul. A distressing spirit from the Lord. Come on. God put something on Saul because he then become. Why did he, he love, how did he change from loving Saul? Uh, loving David, sorry. Loving David. Loving him. Such a love for him. Made him his armor bearer. And now it's changed. Why? Because of people compared. Come on, the people. Sometimes it's people that will bring comparison and you will hear it. You'll hear people's comparison. You know what? If Saul was a smart man, he should have been celebrating. Yep, David's my mighty man. Come on, together we're a team. We're going to take this kingdom. Come on, together, team effort, team. Instead of being just, God gave David to Saul. He gave him him. Come on, but because the people started to compare, he then become just. Come on, comparison. And then a distressing spirit from the Lord entered him. That was the end of it. I'm going to finish with this. Comparison will always cause you to strive and to struggle. Come on, it will always cause that. Striving, struggling, hard work. Looking through the eyes of comparison, there'll always be someone better than you. Come on. When you look through the eyes of comparison, there will always be someone better than you. You'll never be happy with you. You'll never be happy with what you're doing. Even if you get to that place, then there'll be someone else that you're comparing with, someone else further along. Do you know what? The only good comparison is where you've come from to where you're at now. Come on, that's the only good comparison is how far you've come. Come on, how far you've come. Look how far you've come in a year. Look how far you've come since you've known the Lord. That is the only good comparison. You need to be the be you, be the best you and celebrate you. Come on, be the best you because God made you, you. And by comparing, by saying, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, someone's better, someone else can do this. Come on, it's an excuse I hear from people all the time. Oh, someone else can better, someone else does it better. No, come on, you jump in, do it. Be you, don't compare yourself. By comparing, you're saying God didn't do a good enough job. Come on, you are saying, God, you didn't do a good enough job. You didn't know what you were doing when you compare yourself to somebody else. But beyond that, knowing that it comes right back in the book of Genesis, right back to the beginning when God created the angels, He created the heavens, right back, comparison. But our world is full of it. Our world is so full, which shows you The dark is getting darker because a comparison is such a thing that's huge. Young people continually comparing themselves. So sad. 
how a 10-year-old or 12-year-old could even be comparing themselves to someone else, so much so they want to end their life. Come on, what happened to 10-year-old little girls just playing dollies and being silly and having sleepovers? Now it's like 10, 11, 12-year-olds wanting to commit suicide, feeling they're not good enough, feeling how to comparison. Come on, comparison. And it's rife in our churches. Come on. But we are going to be a people. Come on. We are going to rise up above this. We're going to break. We will not compare. See, when you know the truth, it sets you free. Come on, it sets you free when you know the truth. Because sometimes you can be just doing it because it's a way of life. It's become a way of our life. It's a way what we do. We compare in families. One of the biggest things in families is comparing. Brothers and sisters comparing. Sister-in-laws, brothers-in-law divides families because it always gets back. And when thankful, you know, I'm so there. Our family, we love each other. We never compare. Never compare. Brad and Sarah, Ben and Sydney have a, a great church. They have a good church. Ben, Ben and Deshaun. We, ne- we all celebrate our successes because we know that it comes from God. And we, we are secure in our DNA and who we're called to be. So that way you can celebrate everybody else in your family because you're, you're happy with your DNA. You're happy with what God's called you to do and to be. Come on, let's stand this morning. We're going to break this thing. Come on. When you know the truth, it'll set you free. Come on. We're understanding. It's a, bit, it's a lot of our culture in Australia, comparison. But it's not kingdom culture. It's not God's culture. And so now that we know the truth, come on. Even when you go to compare, Holy Spirit will stop you. Come on. Ask the Holy Spirit. You know, whenever I'm learning to overcome something, I ask Holy Spirit, remind me. So if you fall into comparing all the time, ask the Holy Spirit, prompt me before I go to say it, before I go to do it, before I go to compare, prompt me. He will. (laughs) Be careful what you ask for because He will. But it's awesome because, come on, we don't want to compare ourselves. You are awesome. You are incredible. Be the best you. Be wonderful you. Because you know what? God celebrates you. He celebrates you. He celebrated you. He made you. He created you. And when you were born, He was excited. He looked at you. He was excited because He already set out a purpose and a destiny for you. And He said, this is what you're called to do. This is who you're called to be. But you know what? When you give your life to Him, when you turn back and give your life to the Lord, what happens is it says all of heaven rejoices. Come on, all of heaven rejoices that we give our life to the Lord and we say, I'm going to follow my unique plan. I'm going to follow my unique calling. I'm not going to compare myself. I'm going to be who you've called me to be. Lord, what you've called me to be. I'm going to celebrate me. Come on, um, you can celebrate you. I'm going to celebrate my victory. If I got to 
to leave the house today and it wasn't a mess and that was a goal? Will you celebrate? Yay, we did it. We got out the door and the dishes are in the dishwasher. I don't know, whatever it is. Come on. But celebrate their victories. Their victories. Don't let it rob you. Be excited about that. Now, Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Father, I break the spirit in the name of Jesus. I break it off our church. I break it off our lives. I break it off our families. I break it off our businesses. Lord, we will not compare. Satan, we tell you in the name of Jesus, there is no name higher than the name of Jesus. We tell you, Satan, you can back off. We're giving you your marching orders today. I will not compare myself. You will not compare me. You will not. Uh, I will not allow you to compare me with others. I will run my race. I will finish it well. I will do well. Father, I thank you for that right now. Now I break its power over these ones' lives today, Father. Let us celebrate them because you celebrate us, Father God. Lord, we ask forgiveness when we've done this, Lord. Now, Holy Spirit, help us. I will not compare myself ever again.